Back again, back again, episode 7. Ahí estás. Callie's tour, the rest of it, went something like this, with the approximate translation picked up more from her tone than because of my stupendous Ryzen. Tense. Don't go in unless you're invited, kitchen areas. Don't take food without permission, armory. If you nose around that I will slit your throat with the weapons inside. I've spoken enough about the mud and the desperate pleas for permanence. I haven't spoken nearly enough about the people, but they were the lifeblood of this place, after all, and they deserve lines of this story even if only as a conglomerate. The people of the Fretham, the further we moved in, seemed to be split over my being there. Some whispered excitedly, others spat at my feet. Killer was heard again. Said it was something like the reverence I'd heard at court was too, as was Elhida, said like a statement of fact, as was Elhida, spat out like others said, Deskina. Kalia did not demand a greater level of respect, but they offered it to her anyways. Capitan, Minnie called her. She was much more generous with them than she was with me in our private bits of conversation. She wrapped friends in hugs and pulled close women old enough to be her mother, her grandmother, reverently pressing the backs of their hands to her bowed forehead. She laughed with someone, map in hand, and complimented their work. She switched from Rise into that sideways bouncing Rise into another language, sharper edged and filled with consonants as different people approached her. She did not hesitate, doling out this kindness. It seemed to fill her back up. She was, admittedly, beautiful to watch. It became more and more clear that even though she was young, she was a leader to these people, but not a leadership born of fear or obligation or even the odd grey area of reverence. She captained these people because she loved them. Fiercely, unabashedly. How can you doubt that there's magic in this world, I thought. Look at you. Look at you. A soldier, the head of an army, Guardari, defender. A king without need of a throne. Why stare imperiously down and force other people to nail when time and patience and love and love and love bore the same result? Soldier, sang my blood, sang my heart. King. I dogged her steps loath to interrupt her or break her trance as she wove her way in, occasionally throwing more explanations my way, the ire fading as she was welcomed home. This is what it means to be a leader, I realized. This is what this world is supposed to be. 
Natolia, as it turned out, was in charge of most of the camp's reserves. She was maybe a year or two younger than us, 15, maybe 16, and wore her blonde hair pulled back into two braids that could have been called no-nonsense if not for the very superfluous crown of wildflowers that sat crooked across her forehead. She didn't look up when Callia strode in, too busy hunching over a giant and meticulously tabbed book. She shook her head, scribbled something out, thought for a second, corrected the page. Natolia, Callia said. Nat. Natolia, Nat, did not look up. A small pink wildflower listed precariously towards her nose. Nat, Callie tried again. I've brought someone to meet you. She turned and snapped, Alejideda, as she saw me lurking by the doorway. Stop. Something I didn't understand, but I'm sure it was about the rise an equivalent of hemming and hawing and actually come inside. I took a step in, hesitant as a fawn. Nat still did not look up. She'd moved on to humming something to herself. Another wildflower, almost of its own volition, worked itself out of the crown and made a valiant attempt to squiggle its way free over her left ear. Callia wrapped her knuckles on the table. Natolia. Nat jumped. Her crown listed a little more precariously leftward. Callia, why didn't you say something? She didn't sound like Callia or Rhea. Not a city accent, not from somewhere west of here. Her vowels were rounder. I did, Callia sighed. Three times. The other girl sniffed. She reached up and grabbed the purple and white wildflower that had just managed to break free over her ear, and, without breaking Callia's gaze, tucked it between two pages in her massive book. You should have been louder. Callia sighed. Again, but she didn't actually sound annoyed. There was the tiniest bit of a smile at the edge of her mouth. This was a game they played. At least, this routine was old hat. Like everyone else we'd come across, Callia seemed to have a love near unconditional for this girl. We've come for clothing and supplies. Seans Nova Fretem? Nat asked. This sigh of Callia's edged somewhere closer to a groan. I didn't know quite what Nat had asked, but I had a feeling it was about me. Something like that. This is the Elhidida. Callia snaked her foot around my calf and tugged me forward. I stumbled, just barely managed to avoid slamming my hands down on Natolia's precariously balanced table and smiled sheepishly. Hello? That, to her credit, did not look particularly surprised. Yolo said you would arrive soon. Then something... Disbelieving. Ria says we have to play nice, Callie said, slow enough that I knew she wanted me to hear. Yes, well, Natalia said, already flipping through her book again. The pages were well and equally loved, 
Each one flopped open and made a soft crinkle of protest as it turned. The prophecy says she is important, no? Rexit poeta, it so that. I don't believe in prophecies, Callie snapped. Yes. Well, Nat humped, a little put out, as if this too were an interaction they'd had many times before. We all think silly things. Kalia's ears went red. Her mouth opened, then closed, then opened again, her brow furrowing and furrowing and furrowing, as if she were following this argument with Nat through to its conclusion in her head and wasn't quite liking where it ended. She settled for... Well, she's the prince's Aistas. This was when I learned the word puppet. I'd been called it before by Iolo at the festival, shortly before everything went to shit. That was only... What? A week and a half before this? How had everything changed so fast? I'd assumed it was an insult, then, based on venom and vehemence alone. This time, Natalia's eyes flicked to mine. Do you know what she called you, Elihida? I shook my head, not trusting myself to speak. Pop, pet. Ice thus. She repeated, carefully. She believes that you are not your own, that you belong to the prince and the kings and are under their control even here, that you are false too. She did not waver, finger frozen on a line of her ledger, gaze boring into mine. Prove her wrong, Elihita. And then she tapped her book twice, having found what she needed. Silas at Rowena have extra armor after this last battle. Fenris has more clothing. She blinked up at us, as Callie and I both gaped at her. My mouth wide open, Callie has set into a thin, straight line. Well? She asked. Are you in need of anything else? Callie turned on her heel and left. I whispered back at Nat, Kretinuk, before hurrying after my captain. Full of herself, Callia was muttering. Et curna de savastri flores senilius, fanciful, she sighed-eyed me, cursed one last time in a different language just to prove that she could, and jotted out her lower lip. This... I came to learn much, much later was her equivalent of screaming her frustration to the sky. Let's go. Back Again, Back Again is written and produced by me, Abigail Eliza. If you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice or supporting Back Again, Back Again on Patreon at patreon.com slash backagainpodcast where you'll gain access to bloopers, annotated transcripts, episode sneak peeks, and more. 
If you'd like to hear more about the show, visit us on Twitter, Instagram, or Tumblr at BackAgainPodcast or on TikTok at Abigail Eliza Writes. Our outro music is Nightingales by Pierce Murphy from the album To Japan and is licensed under an attribution license. The song was retrieved from freemusicarchive.org. Visit the description of this episode for full copyright information and a link to the page. Sound effect attribution, similarly, can be found in the episode description. If you've made it this far, thanks for sticking around. Please remember that this world always tries to make you feel more alone than you truly are. There are people out there who will love you without condition or expectation, and you will find them. The light-soaked days are coming. I promise. You are so, so very loved. I hope you have a wonderful day.